And welcome back to the Pat Miller program uh, here in the 4.30 portion of the program. Glad that you're with us. Don't forget at 5 o'clock, the Friday at 5 free-for-all begins. But right now, standing by, we've got Bernie Byer. Since April of 2012, Bernie Byer has been the director of Homeland Security uh, for Allen County. Uh, before that, he did a similar thing just for the city of Fort Wayne since 2003. As we get started, Mr. Byer, I also note that you retired in June of 2002 from the U.S. Marine Corps after having served 21 years. So for that, sir, uh, simplify, and thank you very much for your service to our country. Uh, you're welcome. My privilege. So uh, the reason we've got you on today, everybody's talking about, well, if we're not talking about shooting balloons out of the sky, we're, t- we're talking about train derailments. Uh, we've had one uh, over in Ohio, and then just more, most recently, one up in Detroit. But the one in Ohio seems to be the one that's got everybody up in arms. What is your assessment, first of all, uh, as best you know, of what has happened with that train derailment? And what goes on here for making sure that we're ready for something like that, should it come to visit us here in Allen County? Sure, Pat. So well, what we're talking about, whether it's in East Palestine or balloons or severe weather, we're really talking about managing complexity, chaos, and, and those kind of wicked problems that take a life of their own through the course of the event. Um, and those take a totally different management style, leadership style, and they present themselves as different problems because they take a life of their own. Yeah. Now, to, and to set the stage here, uh, you you all have been having, you all, you and first responders throughout the county and everything, uh, you have been having some meetings, and I, I guess it has ramped up a bit since New Palestine, Ohio. Uh, but just so people know, derailments like what happened in Ohio are still pretty rare, right? Well, they're pretty rare to that size and scope. You know, still less than 1% of all transportation accidents relate to rail, and I think the stats, I can't support it, um, but it's somewhere less than one-third of 1% relate to hazardous materials being released from the rail. So it's still one of the safest ways to move that amount of quantity or, or, or commodities across the United States. And it's a big part of the Hoosier economy. At least 30% of the economy uh, moves and goes via rail. So it, it's about managing risk with something we have to have here in the Hoosier State. Now, now, should something like New Palestine, should it happen here, do, do you have a call to arms that you send out and everybody in Allen County jumps in and they do what they're supposed to do? If it's to the scope, like you said, the scope of the one in Ohio, I'm just assuming that's too big for whatever is available here in Allen County. So is there like a network hookup that you've got where you begin to branch out and say, hey, we really need you here? Uh, so you're absolutely right. You know, even one rail car fully engulfed in flames, there's not enough water in the city of Fort Wayne to put that out. It's got to burn. You've got to manage it. You've got to cool it. Um, so as soon as you have multiple cars, it's absolutely that team of teams like General McChrystal. You know, in his book, talks about we changed the leadership style. We changed the management uh, we call the cavalry in, and it's absolutely about partnerships and trust at that point. Um, we've got a lot of resources here in Fort Wayne, Allen County, and then throughout all of Wawa land, for that matter. And we do practice working together, communicating together, managing events together. 
Um, but the number of resources that we would need for a train derailment, just like East Palestine did, it comes from the state and federal government, but we still need to own it locally. We need to provide the local leadership, the local control, and bring those subject matter experts in to our community. But it's ours to own. It's ours to manage. Um, but we've got to leverage those state and federal resources to take care of our Hoosier friends. I, I, I'm assuming, uh, because I had read in, a, in another article the other day that here in northeast Indiana that first responders were meeting regularly to discuss if this happens, we should do this. If we do this, that happens. Um, and so the, you're, you're bringing them all together. Uh, is is there like a calling order? Like if, if you have like a train derailment, uh, d- does the fire department and the police get called before the first responders in, in ambulances get called? Or is it a blanket call that would go out basically to everybody all at once? So it's a multi-part answer. That's all answers from government are multi-part. <laughs> um, at the local level, we've got predetermined based on the type of emergency, what's automatically dispatched from our own 911 center. You know, traffic accidents, vehicle accidents, train unknowns with injuries depends on what the 911 call is automatically deploys a certain amount of resources police fire ems control command and then as people get on scene and discoveries are made we start calling for those additional resources in this scenario uh, the railroads have a pretty sophisticated system uh, with connections to the rails with those wheels touching when one's off how many are off sensors so we're also getting information through their command centers in near real time of what their sensors are picking up to start giving us information. Um, But in all emergencies, typically the early information is wrong or incomplete, um, and we have to make our initial actions based on that inaccurate or incomplete information. That's not unusual. So we usually go big, send a lot of extra things early on, and if need be, we call them back. Or in a case like this, we would immediately be calling those additional state and federal resources. And there is a call down tree. We know what assets we need um, because we have these little hiccups. You know, our last one in Allen County was, I believe, in May of last year, uh, train derailment out on the west side of Allen County. You know, three cars, two grain hoppers, and then a car full of Silverados on a Friday afternoon. So most people don't even know what happened. But those little hiccups happen, um, so we've got those kind of automatic responses that kick in. But again, like the East Palestine and these other complex problems, managing the knowns aren't the problem. It's managing the unknowns and getting that adaptive team out there to start identifying what do we know, what do we don't know, and what are we going to do to solve the unknowns. That's where the complexity comes in. And the longer it takes to get that management team to start looking at the unknowns, that's where things start going awry or the gaps filled by social media or the armchair quarterbacks come in and and it takes a life of its own. Not that it's disinformation or misinformation. It's that there's unknowns. And with social media, with media, we've got little time to fix those problems or at least, you know, get ahead of the problem from a local leadership standpoint. So it's, that, that's the point I want to emphasize a lot, that in these big, complex emergencies, having trusted local leaders is absolutely critical to putting us in a place to start solving problems and not lose the trust of the public that we're serving. 
Uh, we're talking to Bernie Beyer, who's the director of Homeland Security for Allen County. And Bernie, I appreciate you coming in on this Friday. Um, when when you have these calls, like you talk about these call trees, like okay, okay, it's time to call that. It's time to call that. Uh, it's time to call this county, this county, this county, and have them send whatever fire or whatever they can send us. When that happens, and this is not from personal experience, this is just from watching emergency stupid television shows sometimes. Um, but when other agencies come in who are not Allen County agencies, um, is it pretty much established? You guys come in, please help us, but just know this, when you get here, we're in charge? Yeah, that, and that's standard protocol, Pat. That's, there's state law that put that in place several years ago to codify that. Um, we just had a week-long class last week with responders from northern Indiana. Uh, Parkview Health hosted it for us. And we met and trained together, and that's exactly what we talk about, managing complex incidents, who's supported, who's supporting, who's in charge. Does a fire chief from Angola have the authority to act as a firefighter in the city of Fort Wayne? Who's he or she working for? Who's still in charge? Right. So we've practiced that over the years, so everyone's well-versed in how that works in Indiana and how our neighboring states work and don't work based on the legal standpoint. And then how we train together, adapting protocols. So an EMS, an ambulance that comes from Fort Wayne would use a similar protocols or same protocols in Angola or Auburn or over in Warsaw, uh, because that's important. When we come together, we have to think and act together. And that's what the whole national incident management system is all about that was adopted after 9-11 to get communities across the United States to think and talk the same way act the same way, organize similar ways. So when we do come together, we know what we're all talking about. When I say I need a fire truck, I know what I'm going to get. I don't get a, a Volkswagen with a hose out the back. Instead, <laughs> what I really wanted was a, a ladder truck with a snorkel and so many firefighters. Uh, the National Incident Management System over the last 10, 12 years helps to to make that blending more smooth. Yeah, we we don't we don't need the number one fire truck from Hooterville. We need we need to know what we're getting. <laughs> let, let me ask you this, Bernie. You may or may not know this, but one of the things that really surprised me was there was an article that came out a couple of days ago about New Palestine or East Palestine, Ohio, and they talked about the fact they were having trouble identifying what was in each car. I had always understood, and I've read in some places that there are stickers that go on the side, you know, pretty large stickers that go on the side of these tankers that says, this one is carrying this. I mean, it should have been rather apparent right away what it was they were dealing with, right? It is, and there's multiple levels. And we have apps right here that we can scan a train car going by, pull a number from the consist and know exactly what the bill of lading uh, and know exactly what's in that car. But what happens in some of the boxcars just like semis, you might not have one commodity. It might be listed as mixed load, or it might be a general characteristics ah. of a type, and you might have eight different items in that car, and when it crashed, they went different directions. I see. Well, and then somebody so it also might be in to one me. form in the car, but when you mix it, yeah. it becomes a different form. So there's, right. there's some details to knowing what you know and knowing what you don't know. When it gets scattered, sometimes you're trying to account for everything. Did I find everything that came from that car, or am I missing something? What am I looking for? What what should I set my sensors at? What gas am I monitoring for? What am I testing the water for? So we know what we know, and when we suspect what we're looking for, we can confirm that. 
but we still might have unknowns and we need other things to kind of guide us to make sure we account for every product that may or may not have been in that in that car right well and, and what's in car 33 and what's in car 36 might be known but if those cars happen to split open and what they carried was now mixing out on the ground you might have something going on out there that you hadn't accounted for and that that could get a little dicey too and that's what i'm sure what we're seeing there and we see it out all the time is one, once you mix it it's something different and that goes to these complex events it's a starting point, but once that train car turns on its side or the semi-trailer or the car, it changes the dynamics. It changes the components. They might only work a certain way, but when you mix them, you create a third item that right. is different. So it takes a lot of caution, and that's a lot of times up front. They won't commit to what it is. We can tell you what we know, but we don't know what we don't know, and that's where those confirmatory tests and the extra caution goes, or keeping the respirators on for a while, or asking them to evacuate until we can triple check that we've accounted for everything to make sure it's absolutely safe before they come back in. And in the early days, using in the early hours, using different words can be presented as conflicting information from agencies, and that erodes the trust. And now we're not going to believe anything the locals or feds tell us because of the way we handle that early information. So it's it's really critical that local leaders build that trust up front and then through trusted communications maintain that trust because the dynamics of these events change and we've got to be able to change how we manage and how we communicate. Last question of the day, um, and I, I used to live in New Haven. I live now in Fort Wayne. But in living in New Haven, I was very aware of the New Haven train yard and so I know a lot of, at least a lot of the east-west trains uh, decelerate quite a bit because they're coming into or they're going to be going through uh, the New Haven train yard. Are, are we benefited by that? In other words, if this train was like going at full speed out there uh, in eastern Ohio because it wasn't coming near a rail yard, do we maybe sometimes avoid some pitfalls because trains are not going quite as fast here as they might be somewhere else? Yeah, you're absolutely correct, Pat, and that's one of the benefits here uh, with the rail yard in the center as trains slow down. I mentioned back in May we had a three-car derailment um, because they're just not going fast enough for 41 cars to derail. They're, they're coming in or out of the yard, especially if we get a 100, 120-car train mile and a half long. It's halfway to Woodburn before it's able to get up to legal speed, full speed, you know, coming across Adams Center or leaving the New Haven Yard or coming in from Chicago as we get the Bass Hadley area, they start to slow down there. And I think their mid-70s was our last major derailment, and that was out in the Bass Hadley area. Um, so everything from track speeds to safety to equipment to sensors that they, the railroads have put in, especially in that corridor from Chicago into Fort Wayne. Right. I know several years ago they upgraded some of that rail. They put in the heat sensors, the infrared, looking for those breaks of all bearings, looking for problems. Um, so the railroads have invested because it's it's part of their business in some of those safety measures. Um, but, but the upkeep of the rails, the safety measures, and the slow speed absolutely benefit downtown Fort Wayne, Allen County, um, for the number of cars that could derail. We've been talking to the Director of Homeland Security for Allen County, Bernie Beyer. And, Bernie, for your time today, it's comforting to know uh, that we have far fewer 
uh, actions like this than places like Philadelphia and New York. Uh, and that if something does go wrong, we have a pretty good network of people here in Allen County or in other counties that we can tap into pretty quickly. It's good to know you guys are already meeting and being aware and being ready. And for that, we appreciate it. Bernie Beyer, thank you so very much today, sir. Thanks for the opportunity, Pat. Podcasts by Federated Media.